Welcome back to another episode on the HER podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Aisha Durrani, naturopathic doctor, holistic life coach, and the girl next door. I'm reaching you from Toronto, Canada. And in today's podcast, I'm going to be sharing from my life a chapter about how I learned mistrust and hyper independence. So I developed mistrust with elders in my early years. My first elders were obviously my parents, and seeing the mistrust they kept towards each other cultivated mistrust in me against other people. So this meant that everyone had an agenda, that I was constantly in survival mode looking out for myself. A hyper-independent and hyper-vigilant version of me started to develop. Friends were not really friends, but simply people I felt temporarily happy with. But at the back of the mind, I still was activated in that survival mode that they're probably still out to get me. I tried to become self-sufficient as early as a kid in grade five. Um, I started cooking for myself even when my mom had my meals ready. I remember this one day I came home after school and as she was preparing meal, I started uh, preparing my meal on the side and that did tick her off, but I had just learned that I had to trust myself. Um, I began organizing my day down to a strict schedule. I learned to only trust myself so that I had to take control of my own schedule as well. So I was studying on my own schedule. I had my summers planned and um, I really embedded this belief that only I can mean well for myself and that I had to do this thing called life solo. Now, this did show me my potential as well. Um, It showed me that I can figure out anything. So I really developed the I can figure out anything attitude. And with this, I also fiercely protected the trust others gave me and became the one that others found easy to trust. Because I knew that trust was such a delicate thing and you can't misplace it. So I did develop these two uh, gems within me. But unfortunately, when you're trying to do life solo as just a kid as young as maybe eight, nine years old, uh, this isn't a, a healthy way to survive I was dying on the inside. No man is an island entire of itself. I was keeping people out, and more importantly, I was keeping love out. I needed someone I could trust and bear my burdens with. I also developed a lack of fear in authority from this wound. On the pro side, this helped me communicate confidently to any senior above me uh, and take myself as an equal to them. On the con side, I would easily be disrespectful to an elder who I felt was in the wrong. And honestly, because I mistrusted elders quite early on, I didn't think they deserved my utter respect. I was still operating in survival mode. So on the outside, if someone really looked at me just from like my cover and never really read my story, I looked like Aisha, the independent girl. Um, She can, you know, really pave her own path and feel comfortable with it. And the reality of it was that 
I kind of had to, and that became kind of my normal. And so what really was viewed upon as independent Aisha was perhaps hyper-independence. Now, when I was constantly stuck in survival mode, that meant that I was continually using a resource of my body to stay vigilant. And that can be very draining on the body. So a lot of concern showed up um, in my physical and mental body of, you know, just feeling fatigue. I would be sleeping long hours. I would never really feel uh, this optimal energy. Uh, mood kind of really would fluctuate because I'm just constantly being drained to remain hypervigilant. I also started to avoid places where I had to use more alertness, so mainly public spaces where there's a lot too much too quickly happening, uh, malls, and I really started to look for places that were a bit more quieter, a bit more less stimulating, loud sounds, you know, bright lights would tend to really um, aggravate my inner environment, and so I eventually started to seek more solitude. Now, not being able to trust my external environment eventually led me to my inner self. This was the beginning of getting in touch with my inner compass, my inner guidance system that would let my body and soul know whom I was safe with and whom I could trust. This survival mechanism wound of inner alertness or hypervigilance was slowly being morphed into inner awareness. My wound led me to a jewel within me. My wound led me to its healing. In the words of Malana Rumi, the great poet, the cure for the pain is in the pain. So I slowly began meeting more people who felt safe in my body and soul and who I really felt I could trust. And the signs were that my body just felt more relaxed and I could just breathe easier. The anxiety that I would have around those people wouldn't really present or anxiety around situations where I needed to be on alert mode because I could sense these things or sense that um, someone had an agenda. And uh, I eventually started letting love in, those of friends. I started allowing people onto Aisha's island. <laughs> Soon I had a party on the island with a few select souls, and I started depending on those who meant well for me in a healthy fashion. I became both the receiver and giver of love, help, and guidance. And for so long, I was only playing the role of the caregiver or the giver rather than receiver because I didn't trust what I was receiving and could only trust what I was giving. So eventually, as I learned to use my inner guidance system to help me navigate and find and figure out where I could really place my trust, I started to feel more supported, celebrated, 
and above all, loved. Now, because I have an awareness of what mistrust looks like, I can use this awareness to discern quickly who mean well for me and who don't. And I don't need to constantly be in alert mode because I trust my inner self will put me on alert when I need to be. So in essence, what I really learned was trust within myself first and then was able to place it in others. Now, it's very important that we be capable or able of discerning this voice within us that I call the voice of your heart and your inner self, your higher self, your intuition. There's so many gut feeling. I mean, these are all kind of coming from the same place. My inner connection with God and my creator above all. So we want to be able to discern this place, this voice, then the voice of the mind or the chatter or the ego, whatever you want to call that as well. So let's segue into discerning. Is this the voice of the mind or is this the voice of the heart? And I'm going to share a personal story of mine. So in my late 20s, I met a guy and quickly grew attached. In fact, he met my parents the next month and proposed within the second month. And I felt really rushed. Uh, And when it came to, you know, making a choice, I consulted my inner self. Now, when I asked my inner self, should I move forward with this proposal? The voice said no. In fact, I remember it being a very loud no, but I ignored it, misjudging it as the voice of my mind, or that this was my fear speaking or my ego speaking. And it really took me to go through this experience to learn from it deeply, to know and to differentiate between the voice of my heart and that of my mind. And I'm going to quote another quote by Molana Rumi. He says, There's a voice that doesn't use words. Listen. And so if you are trying to figure out, I have this voice within me. Is this the voice of my heart, my true self, or the voice of my mind? The voice of the heart is usually much gentler, softer, and it relaxes the body. It doesn't tense you up. And it's genuinely a feeling sometimes. The voice of the mind is more fear-based. It's erratic, it's very fast, and it's chaotic. And it often isn't just one thing, it's usually multiple things. The voice will follow with another one, and what if this, and then what if that? So anyhow, coming back into um, the story. So we did end up uh, getting engaged, even though the voice said no. And eight months later, I realized this wasn't meant to be, and I called it off. It really was a blessing in disguise, but it really was the lesson that I needed to kind of a kick in the butt to really know how I chose to ignore, or I I hadn't formed enough trust with that inner guidance system, perhaps. So lesson number one, what I learned out of it was how to distinguish between the voices in me. 
I learned that the guidance from the heart is more of a feeling, a calm voice, and it doesn't try to convince you of anything. The mind, however, is more frantic and it associates reasoning and logic and is often fear-based. I started to realize that I was so fear-bound about making mistakes that I was missing the lesson. And so each mistake is also an experience that teaches you a valuable life-changing lesson. And so this was lesson number two from me. Make more mistakes and learn from them <laughs> and you will eventually get to the lesson. So be kind to yourself in that regard. Thank you for listening. I end this episode here and with this we're likely moving on to another season. Um, I would really love to hear feedback from those of you who are tuning in and also hear about your stories. You can reach me either on my social media platforms and let me know if these episodes are getting you connected with parts of yourselves that you are working on or have worked through. I uh, love to hear from souls who have been on a similar journey or who are journeying on um, and wish you well, wish you love, wish you kindness. Thank you.